I'm Matt House Barbie. And I'm Jory Monroe. And this is Skill Up. Skill Up is a podcast sponsored by HubSpot Academy, all about the changing landscape of marketing, sales, and customer service. There are so many bloggers and marketers working off a decade-old SEO playbook. They do baseline keyword research, rely on old-school optimization tactics, but the reality is the world has changed, and your strategy definitely needs an update. More and more content is being published every day, and it's getting more competitive to rank. Plus, your audience is getting distracted by videos, social, and even things like this podcast. Basic SEO best practices are no longer enough to see an organic payoff. Today's episode, we're going to discuss how people used to create content for search, why that's changed, and how you can create content that actually makes an impact on your business. If you could start any business in the world, seriously, any business, what would it be? In this day and age, it has never been easier to start a business, but it's never been more difficult for that business to succeed. That's where HubSpot Academy can help. HubSpot Academy offers engaging and informative classes that can help you skill up so you can grow your business. Go to HubSpot.com slash skill up to check out trainings, certifications, community discussions, and much, much more. That's HubSpot.com slash skill up and start learning today. So I'm really excited about this episode. I try to keep up on SEO, but I think I might still be a little stuck in the past on this. When I first started blogging, I was taught to do keyword research and then get that keyword in its exact order on the page as much as possible, even if it sounded completely unnatural. Can you give me a little bit of an overview on how companies used to think about SEO? Yeah. I I mean, SEO has changed a lot. Uh, I mean, you go back 10 years, I I think that the big thing was the way companies would think about content creation. So we've got things like keyword stuffing, for example. The the name of the game in content going back uh, a number of years now would just be like, okay, I've got this page I need to create. I've got this keyword I need to rank for. Let's go and just stuff this keyword in the page as many times as possible. Guilty. You know, <laughs> guilty, right? Guilty. You'd be like, this inbound marketing agency is really good at inbound marketing because it uses inbound marketing techniques to do inbound marketing cool stuff. Right? It's like, right. okay, can we just stop for a minute and actually write words that make sense? And that was a, a huge part of the more problematic side of SEO. And then you have things like the link building side of things changed a ton, right? So you would have some of the go-to plays for link building would be, let's go get a bunch of backlinks from directories. And there would even be just like, oh, blog comments are great ways to build links. Go comment on a load of blogs and link back to your site. And like some of these things, the name of the game was just, how do we create scale in everything that we're doing? And it was less about the whole mantra of Google loves great content. It was kind of like Google hates great content. So let's just do whatever we think actually works within the rules of SEO. Then there was so much bad practice that would come up. But the problem was 
kind of worked at the time. And that became like a self-fulfilling cycle of just abuse in content, right? And it wasn't really great for anyone involved. Yeah, so that that makes a lot of sense. It was very much like Google formula first and user experience second. Yeah, it was like, ah, what are the ranking factors and how do I specifically follow them by the book to create the worst possible experience for my users? But hey, I rank number one, so that's great, <laughs> right? And I, I think that, I mean, even just, there's still a lot of this out there right now, right? But mm-hmm. like, it was, it would work a lot better back, say, 10 years ago. So uh, for for a lot of people just running uh, websites, why would they not just go down this route? Because it was a hell of a lot cheaper and a lot easier to do it this way and it helped rank. So why not? Yeah. So with this in mind, like, what do you consider or what is considered by industry standard, like, bad practices, like the opposite of best practices now. Yeah, I, the, there's, there's a lot of this, but I think the big thing here has been, more than anything, a lot of the stuff that I just discussed there, mm-hmm. by and large, it doesn't really work anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can already hear people listening saying, yeah, it does, yeah, it does. Right, there are always outlier cases. <laughs> right, <laughs> and like the, there are always edge cases where certain, like, old school tactics can definitely still work. But mm-hmm. by and large, a lot of the more, especially when we think about link building, mm-hmm. really scalable, cheap, low cost link building plays fall into, and, and things like that is like submitted to a, submitting to a thousand directories that are like business directories or spamming 10,000 websites with blog comments that link back to your site. Now, if you ask me categorically, could that ever rank a web page, maybe it could. But they now fall into a bucket of two different things. They're either not like economically viable to actually get to the stage of doing that, or two, which is usually one of uh, both of them at the same time, they present such a risk of incurring a, a search engine penalty. That is to be penalized by Google and see either some or all of your rankings be lost as a result. So a lot of those kind of plays don't really work that much. The other thing is very minor, simple, like content tweaks. Like let's just add this keyword in two more times into a web page. Doesn't really do a whole lot, right? Mm. Even when we think about like best practices, which we can come into a little bit later, like, Anything that sounds, usually speaking, like anything that just sounds too good to be true, it usually is within SEO. Uh, I think a lot of people initially come into SEO, they read a few blog posts, they're like, oh, this sounds easy. I'm just going to put this keyword in like a paragraph and I guess we'll start ranking. This is awesome. Sign me up. I am an SEO strategist. (laughs) Strata expert. I am the best in the world, right? So it's like, then you kind of like create the piece of content. You do it like 10, 20 times, realize like, actually it's not that easy. Cry for a while, burn all of your servers and then start again. So it's more than anything, the, the thing that has changed a lot of this is that Google has actually got a lot smarter. Like Google is able to understand the topic that's being discussed within a piece of content without you actually even explicitly stating it, right? They understand natural language processing. We talked about this in some of the previous episodes and 
they're not reliant on you to just explicitly stab these keywords in their face every like few a few lines down the page. So when you do that, Google's kind of like, this is very obviously crappy stuff that you're serving up to me. Yeah, and that was definitely something that I think I walked away from the first episode with was just like, you need to understand what you're trying to rank for. So that's that's really a good point. So this seems really doable when you talk about it in the abstract, but how do you suggest people actually do this, like start making tangible gains in ranking on a day-to-day basis? And to, to start here, this, this all comes into context. Like context is everything in SEO. One of the biggest challenges that I see from people that are just kind of dipping their toes in the water of SEO, getting started, they just want to be like, all right, what are just some of the best practices, things that I should be doing that everyone else is kind of doing? And it really depends on the situation, right? Like we'll use a example of like HubSpot.com, right? At HubSpot, we have tons and tons of backlinks from external websites. We're a publicly listed company. We get links from whenever we do our earnings calls from like the Wall Street Journal and we have TechCrunch and all these huge, some of the biggest sites in the world will link back to us. Not only that, we've been publishing hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of blog posts across our blog over the past number of years that have in turn been picked up and mentioned and referenced to over the years. And we've built up a huge amount of authority in the search engines, to, to speak broadly. Now, what that means is, from our point of view, we're less focused on how do we kind of build up our authority more. We need to build more authority so that we get ranking. Actually, we can harness that authority and start talking about more things that we we currently don't have an appearance for in the search engine. So, all right, we want to talk more about the sales and customer service space. Let's start producing more content around that. Because we have this like huge base of authority already from basically links, which is the, the key to building authority is backlinks, we tend to rank a lot easier. So it's a much more of a focus on content production. You flip that around, and this is usually where people go wrong to begin with in SEO is, assuming that just creating content will get you ranking. Mm-hmm. It's like the quickest way to, to waste a ton of resources and budget and also just like misunderstand your forecasting of what, what you can expect. If you're a brand new website, you have little to no authority, right? It's like... And you being, might not even have the resources to create that all that content. Exactly, right? And like you imagine someone with no reputation, no background mm-hmm. experience, all of a sudden writes a book on mm-hmm. a topic that they know kind of uh, very little about. They publish it. It's like saying, well, I guess if I publish this, I'm going to become a New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that will not happen. You have to do the groundwork. And it's the exact same in SEO. Just hitting the publish button is not good enough. That is the base minimum level. Like, if you want to be a New York Times bestseller, the minimum viable thing you got to do is have a book. Right. right? <laughs> and if you don't have the book, you can't be a bestseller. Mm-hmm. The minimum viable thing for a new website is, like, you got to have the content. Mm-hmm. And when you have the content, then the journey begins. It's like, okay, we've got some best practices here, in, and that, that can involve, maybe we'll go through some of those in terms of, like, a, a bit more of a hit list of just things you need to have on the page. But mm-hmm. then we're talking about, okay, we need authority. That means we need links. 
to do to build links. It's a whole host of things that we need to think about. And again, depending on what stage we're at as a business, as a website, the vertical that we're in, who our customer is, like et cetera, et cetera. It's almost like when you, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but when you have your content, that's when you're Bilbo Baggins going on the adventure. But before you're Bilbo Baggins, you can't go on the adventure yet. I don't know. How long you been holding on to that yeah, one, Jory? No, that's a know. truly beautiful example. Hey, I mean, there you go. The, the gift just popped in my head. So <laughs> there you go. But it, we'll have an entire episode about kind of backlink building um, where we can dive into that kind of chasing authority, chasing the one ring um, <laughs> later. Um, awesome. So if Google can understand what people really want to read, how much do keywords even matter these days? Yeah, this is like, this, this is... Uh, Did I get you with a difficult question? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, more of a, a contentious question. I, I think there's a lot of opinions around keywords. Like HubSpot, we've personally been quite vocal around this. And I think sometimes people misconstrue what we're what we're actually saying when we talk about keywords, because one of the big things that we tend to focus on when we're creating content is like more overarching topics versus individual keywords. That said, like we still do pay attention to this stuff. At the end of the day, like we may create content around customer service, but if we are uh, writing an article that's like the six best customer support hacks, right? Like for customer support reps. Really enticing title nice. that is. Straight <laughs> straight from my imagination. Such a creative. We'll still be thinking about okay, like what are the exact things that people are going to be searching for to to bring that up? And on a minimum level, right? Like you you would want to where possible try and include some of those different kind of keywords for lack of a better term, like phrases, synonyms of those phrases within the content. And at the same time, not go overboard. We just we want to give Google enough to make their lives easier to say, okay, this is clearly related to this topic, and that's done with more than just keywords on a page, but if we can have something directly within the title, right? For example, you write a page about cats, but you don't say the word kittens. Google knows that a kitten is related to a cat. It also knows that a cat is related to a dog. And like a dog is a pet. A pet will eat food. But it also knows that a cat is not a burger, right? Like well, it will go, well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is maybe another debate. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but so. You've discovered my third food group. <laughs> yeah, after spinach and Snickers. Yeah. You're really building up a nutritional calendar here that's <laughs> to be envied. Uh, so what. What you want to be thinking about there is, okay, am I making it clear enough in what we're talking about that Google's going to be able to follow this pattern that is about this topic and these keywords that we ultimately want to rank for? And at the same time, there's also a lot of focus on, okay, well, do keywords even matter? And I think this is like a whole bigger conversation. But when we often talk about this, like we talked about this in one of the previous episodes where the search engine results page is changing, different results based on different location. Does that even mean that like you have a set keyword ranking? Because if you search in Chicago versus Boston, you may have completely different rankings, right? right. So there comes the debate around keywords. But to take a step back here, what we're really saying is, where possible, make it as easy as possible for Google to see this. And then they're, they're just like, okay, so people all say things like, 
have the keyword in the title, in the H1, that is the header of the page. Mention it a few times in the paragraph of the page. Uh, maybe have like an image alt tag as you can. Yeah, cool. If you can do that, that's great. But just kind of write about that as a topic and you'll be all right. And Google will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Now, on the other side of things is the authority. So being an authority on a topic, going back to the case of being a, an author, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you think about academic journals, there's a lot of people that have published academic journals and the ones that are most credible are largely those that have been cited the most in other academic journals and other right. publications. That is the exact same way that this, this works in the web. And when we're talking about being an authority, it's one thing, okay, you have a ton of content that you've written about entrepreneurship and you've mm -hmm. had tons of links, i.e. like citations, right, from right. other websites that are also talking about entrepreneurship. But now you want to be an authority on cat burgers and you have no credibility there. And you've got to build up and establish a, uh, to be a credible force within the flourishing and growing cat burger business. I mean, hey. It's huge, I hear. Uh, so the, the other key thing here is like being a relevant authority within mm -hmm. that specific space. So building out more content on your site that's focused around a specific topic, avoiding just looking at this on a web page by web page level, which is what historically a lot of SEO has been about. It's like, okay, I have this page that I want to rank for this keyword. If it doesn't rank, I guess I'll create something new. So, well, no, you need to create a number of pages around this whole topic. And within that, you're going to rank for a whole host of keywords and Certainly what we think about at HubSpot is how can we own as much of the kind of like sphere of this, this topic as possible? We want to be everywhere that anyone searching for this topic is in the search engines. Maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds like maybe. also... Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, we had the spinach Snickers debate. So when you're building also like kind of these backlinks, it, it would also just be helpful to think about it in like an inbound perspective where it's like, how can I be the most helpful to someone seeing this page like and to use that as almost a strategy to to link to resources right right like so that's that's like the the other piece here is ultimately one of the best things that's happened with google becoming a lot better at understanding and breaking down the content on a page is that actually it positively incentivizes content creators to build content that benefits the end user as well, by and large. And what you tend to have is, okay, if I'm going to create content that actually reads really well, it's stuff that also matches the intent of the people searching. This is like another big piece that we haven't dug into, but you've got you're searching for cat burgers, right? Mm -hmm. You come through to a page that ranks within the first page for cat burgers, but actually what you find on there is dog burgers. And as our- It's not what I wanted. No, it's, uh, <laughs> our user testing said, dog burgers do not resonate with our <laughs> millennial market. Uh, so then <clears throat> then you've, you've not aligned properly with searcher intent. And making sure that you're optimizing well for the thing that actually largely people are going to be searching for to find you is a huge, huge ranking signal for, for Google. That's been one of the things that Google's got way, way better at determining. It'll look at things like, okay, 
if someone has searched for something, click through to your web page, and if they have bounced directly back into the search results, huge negative signal. That's like one of the worst things that can happen to you. They'll also look at like time on the page, things like that. So having, uh, and also load time, which is another big piece. All, and this is all focused around having a solid experience for the end user. It's kind of along the lines of when Google really shifted and is doing a hell of a lot more of a shift towards mobile in their search index this year and have over the past few years, they're getting everyone to create a solid experience for users so that people come back to Google again and again because ultimately someone finds a web page through Google and they have a bad experience. A part of that negative sentiment will go back to Google as well. So there's they, they want to provide good experience to their users and generate all those ad monies. Definitely. All the monies. Um, so before we get too much into the practical side of how to get your content to rake, we're actually going to take a quick break and hear a quick message from HubSpot Academy. When I first started my career, I thought businesses could succeed by just having a presence online. All you have to do is post on social media, update your website, and schedule blog posts somewhat regularly. Easy, right? Wrong. Because publishing content without an SEO strategy can be a huge waste of time. That's why HubSpot Academy created an SEO training course taught by HubSpot's SEO expert, Matt Howells Barbie, the host of this podcast. This course is great for beginners who are looking to create a smart SEO strategy, build links to their website, start blogging, and much, much more. Head over to hubspot.com slash skillupseo and start learning today. So before the break, you talked about this idea of becoming an authority on a topic rather than just focusing on keywords. Can you explain this a little bit more? Like what does this actually look like in terms of site structure? So this is what we refer to as the topic cluster model. And this was based largely upon some relatively old models for information architecture that would have been used on e-commerce websites and large news sites, like going back like 10, 15 years, but where where that would typically be known as siloing. And the idea would be you would break up different sections of the site, usually in subfolders. And <clears throat> this is slightly different, but we've taken, taken this older model that is still used today, siloing is, uh, but then try to apply it to the way that Google understands and breaks down content. So the way that we've done this is, and the general idea of topic clusters is you have groups of web pages that all talk about a similar topic, different parts of that topic, but all focusing on the similar topic. And we have internal linking only between all of the different pages within this topic cluster. We're saying to Google, everything within this group of pages that are all interlinked, kind of how when we went back to the idea of the uh, academic journal and the different citations of like people being cited, different publications, you can kind of follow that trail, right? And they are all kind of linked together under an overarching topic. That's what we try to do with topic clusters. And we create different sections on our site that are all interlinked, focused on individual topics, with this whole goal of eventually going through and ranking for as many different terms related to that topic that fit within this overarching topic. And 
this is the kind of thing that we can do for all different sections of the site. And uh, the, the, the key thing here is getting the structure correct. So I want to kind of key into that a little bit more because this can seem like such a huge project to take on. Um, and I mean, if I think about my blogs, but just like companies kind of getting started with this and something that I heard about a lot when HubSpot's kind of content strategy tool was released is that people went too broad too quickly. Mm. Um, so it's like you would have these small companies trying to rank for like all of marketing and that's not necessarily like the right way to go. So are, what are like your recommendations or like the easy ways to get started with this without kind of falling into those pitfalls of being too broad? Yeah, so I think to to, to, to kind of start with this, this all comes back to th- mapping everything out mm-hmm. correctly to begin with. Now, the easiest way to implement a structure like this is when you start from scratch. A lot of the slightly more painful stuff that comes into this is when you have an existing site that you want to then rework and mm-hmm. kind of cluster, if you like. This was actually where we came to in actually building the content strategy tool at HubSpot, where actually we'd built out a bunch of custom scripts and tech that we were using for our own site. And we were like, hey, this would actually be a really awesome product. So <laughs> This we, is super useful. <laughs> yeah, so let's go build this for our customers, right? And okay. <clears throat> that that helps with like clustering things together and figuring out the right topics to write about. Now, when you come into, okay, how broad should you go? It really depends on how much of a topic you think you both can cover from literally creating enough content around and are authoritative enough on. I take a very good example here of HubSpot, right? Mm-hmm. Like you type in pretty much, I feel pretty confident actually you could type in pretty much anything to do with inbound marketing and we will rank for like at least on page one for pretty mm-hmm. much any of those terms, including ranking like in the top one or two places for just the single word inbound marketing. Okay. Now, if I'm a brand new website, I have no authority, no kind of credibility in this whole area. And I say, okay, goal number one, let's rank for everything in inbound marketing. You're probably not going to be able to compete with like 10 years of credibility building of HubSpot. That's an uphill <laughs> In amongst many others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Wikipedia and all of these other like huge websites that, that focus on all of this. And <clears throat> that's where then getting more and more specific is important. And I guess like the the key here is that by and large, like a general rule of thumb would be the broader the topic, the more competitive it's going to be to rank in the search engine. So you can map Just like out, keywords in some ways. Right, exactly. Yeah, same and kind of logic. Mapping out and aligning topics that are relevant enough to your business, have enough general like search demand, uh, people are searching enough for things within that topic, but... Also, that aren't so broad that they drift so far away from what you're actually focused on as a business. And at HubSpot, we we cover such a broad spectrum of things now because we've just got to this place where we appear for so many different things. We create so much content. We've created this huge funnel of inbound organic traffic that it makes sense for us. That does not make sense for a lot of other businesses. So it's kind of, again, coming back to this idea of context what is your situation? What are the actual goals that you're trying to get to? No, like Nobody's end goal is just drive traffic. There is right. a next thing after that. Whether it's even just 
We want to have people remember what we're talking about to be seen as thought leaders. That's not necessarily a, a conversion metric. There is always a thing after traffic, and it's remembering mm -hmm. that when you're mapping this stuff out. So it seems like when you decide if something should be that topic cluster, it's largely based on like search volume, if, if it's related to your site's subject of expertise. But how do you measure the success of a topic cluster? This was actually one of the biggest reasons why I'm a big fan of this, this whole model that we've been uh, rolling out. And one of the biggest challenges, I, I talked about this a little bit earlier when I was saying, you know, everyone historically in SEO would tend to look at things on a page-by-page -page basis when you look at it from where does this page rank uh, in terms of a keyword? How do I optimize this single page? How is this individual page converting? Like, how much revenue are we generating from this blog post? And it's it comes back to the classic answer of SEO, which is it depends. And that was the bane of my existence when I was in support, and I would get these calls. I'd be like, well. It depends, and no one likes that answer, right? <laughs> right, and nobody does. And the reason why it depends is because you shouldn't be looking at things that are so like so huge on such a small level. Mm -hmm. The way that we look at things, because it, it also is, it just assumes a certain level of like homogenous content. So. What you're saying is, okay, what is the value of every single one of our blog posts against this conversion metric? And let's just, for all intents and purposes, uh, the, the conversion metrics is a purchase on an online store, mm -hmm. right? Evaluating the success of all of these individual blog posts based on that single metric is not the right thing to do because some of those blog posts you may have written about stuff that ties in nicely into a product, and that's the goal. And okay, judge that one on that metric. But you know, you may have said, okay, we have this piece of content that we really want to rank for this, like a bunch of these keywords around this topic, super competitive, it needs a ton of links. And we're going to create this other blog post that's maybe like this data backed report that generates a ton of backlinks because it's really press-worthy, news-worthy, and that will get a load of links and will push authority from that page into the other page. If you looked at that data, that report that you built that's goal is to earn backlinks and just said, how many sales did it generate from that page? You'd say none and you'd bin it, right? But mm -hmm. actually, indirectly, that built up a ton of authority that it then passed on to this other page that then helped rank, which then did create a conversion. So to, to cater for the varying goals and functions of different pieces of content, we group things into these clusters and measure the clusters as a whole. We say, okay, what is the core conversion metric for this cluster? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that might be sales. But alongside that, we also would look at traffic, the number of backlinks that it's created. And it takes into account the entirety of the, the topic cluster. And we structure all of our reporting on a cluster level. So we'll say, okay, we know that writing about customer service um, like hacks tends to yield a really high number of backlinks, but it doesn't tend to generate a ton of conversions. We know that writing about inbound marketing generates a ton of traffic, not a whole lot of conversions. Writing about CRM implementations creates a ton of conversions, not a whole lot of traffic, not a whole lot of links. And we, and we take these lenses, we say, okay, well, what do we need right now? 
We need a bunch of links. We're going to talk about this thing and we're going to pile more content into this topic cluster. We need actually a ton more conversions around this part of our product. We're going to write more about this topic and we're going to plug in some gaps in this topic cluster. And this is all about understanding the context, the goal, and the individual use case of each of these contents so they can benefit each other. Definitely. So it's like a, a cycle of influence. I like that. And I think it's so important, too, just to remember that different pieces of content are going to have different goals. Um, so we understand the structure kind of like we need to even have a chance to rank. But what does great content look like today, Matt? <laughs> what hub, does it look like? The HubSpot website, I would say. <laughs> very Excellent content. Very great content. Okay. Uh, no, so uh, I, I would say, actually, that the HubSpot blog has a bunch of great content. But broadly speaking, this comes back exactly back to my last point. So great content relies on context. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of anecdotal stuff that, in all honesty, like I've personally been guilty for talking about in the past. And I think we've said this before on the HubSpot blog. We've said this, we've seen this in tons of different industry blogs where there can sometimes be blanket statements that are misinterpreted. So Mm -hmm. for example, higher or longer word count uh, web pages rank better. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Okay, in certain contexts, yes, they do. In other contexts, no. Like, you don't, if you're looking for a quick piece of information, for example, a definition, mm-hmm. do you want to read 10,000 words of content to get the definition for like an acronym? Like, no, you do not want that. You want you a very want four quick. words. <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah. And that's where actually I, I think Wikipedia is particularly impressive. They have Mm -hmm. a ton of long-form content, and people will say, well, the key to Wikipedia's success is they have a ton of long-form content that ranks really well. No, they actually do really well because they align with context really well. You look at definitions, you look at um, short featured snippet entries. Wikipedia are always one of the big winners, and it's because they sometimes have long-form content where necessary. They also have really good, strong, uniform site structure, but They also have uh, short-form content where it matches the intent of the searcher. Similarly, when you're thinking about what great content is, when you think about format, right? So sometimes people say, right, you know, to to rank really well and get a bunch of links, video content always performs best. I remember go back a few years and it was like, well, the only way that you get links is with infographics, right? And it's like, uh, no, that's not the case. Can an infographic perform well? Yes, but only if the people who are going to consume the content actually want to consume an infographic. And it makes sense. Like, you're not going to tell someone the definition of a CRM in an infographic, although I guarantee someone has. Someone definitely has. Someone definitely has. Uh, if you think it, it's been done. And the the same goes with video content. Right? Like, the, the starting point and I think we touched on this in a previous episode in, in this series, actually, mm-hmm. where we, we we touched upon the fact that sometimes the best thing to do is avoiding, like, reinventing the wheel yeah. at all costs with SEO. Definitely. If video content is currently ranking for a topic that you want to be ranking well for, create video content. If video content is has never shown in the results page for a, a topic that you're talking about, then it probably means something. It means that actually people searching for that do not necessarily want to see a video related to this result. It's not always the case, but nine times out of 10, right? Like 
Google is pretty good at understanding intent. And what you're seeing in the results page is the outcome of a huge sample size of searches that's told Google and is consequently telling us this is what people want to see about. It's the reason why when people search for things like software-based queries, so let's say like marketing software, whatever, people are not necessarily always looking for an individual vendor's web page. They're looking for a list of web pages, hence why you always, a list of vendors, hence why you always see these like long review websites ranking really well because people want to browse through. And mm. the same applies to any content that you're creating. The most important thing of anything is understanding context. Yeah, and I think that that's pretty powerful. Um, that's something that just should be going through kind of all stages of your strategy, whether you're marketing sales or services, is like the personalization aspect and really understanding the preferences of your audience and who you're trying to reach. So that's all we have on writing content that ranks. If you liked today's lesson, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your coworkers about your smart new internet friends. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at HubSpot Academy. If you want to learn more about content strategy, I'm Jory Monroe. And I'm Matt House Barbie. And thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in just a few seconds when you press play on our next episode. Bye for now. If you're listening to this show, you've already taken the first step in growing your career. But I have really good news. You can go even further for free. HubSpot Academy is a worldwide leader in marketing and sales education, and they offer free classes on topics like social media, SEO, content marketing, and more. There's no catch, just expert advice that can take your career to the next level. Go to HubSpot.com skillup to get started today and build your business better. <laughs>